Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We're your hosts. I'm Kim France. And I'm Jen Romolini. And Romolini, how are you today? You look cute today. Oh, thank you. I'm trying to look cute today. Um, the headphones are hiding my hideously dirty hair, but you know, that's fine. It's all fine. Um, I'm good. I found a new pair of jeans. What are they? Yeah, it's not even that interesting, but I've been <laughs> really struggling with pants because I've been really wanting like, anyway, I've been struggling with pants. I've just been, I bought four pair of straight leg, um, one boot cut, three pair of straight leg and one boot cut, just classic Levi's in black, jet black. They have a ton of stretch and they're $45 on Amazon. Send me the link, please. I want to see. They're super stretchy. I really like black jeans. I like when they, I don't like when they're jet black. I like when they get a little, um, you know, charcoal-y. Yes. And you can buy them in that wash and I have one of them in that wash, but I've actually been really liking like just the straightness of, and the, even the boot cut of like a jet black jean. I've been really mm-hmm. into a jet, jet black jeans with like a white t-shirt and like a little, um, I've been wearing more, uh, kerchiefs around my neck. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> But the jeans are $45 and they're super comfortable and they're not like heavy weight. They're just like, you know, a light, lighter weight jean. And do they look stretchy? Cause that's a deal killer for me. They don't, if you I had to really play around with sizing, like I mm-hmm. had to find the exact right size because a little too tight and they look too stretchy. They really right. they were starting to do like the, uh, you know, the bunch up stretchy kind of thing that I don't like, but the right size they have not been, but the price is right. It's really sort of streamlined getting dressed. Cause I'm like, Oh fuck. I just have black jeans. <laughs> you know what? I mean, I've said this before, but the happiest I ever was with like my ability to get dressed in the morning mm-hmm. was this summer after, after my marriage ended and I let my ex-husband stay in our house and I moved into a hotel for the summer. 
And I didn't have a very big closet in the hotel room. Mm -hmm. So I didn't bring all my clothes with me. I just brought the things I really liked. And every morning I'd be like, okay, well, I guess I'm wearing that and that. So much easier. And then the other thing I've done is, um, here's the thing I had never thought of before, a look I had never considered, sporty. (laughs) (laughs) So I bought these. I bought these Reeboks, you know, those classic Reeboks. They're just yeah, like a yeah. big white shoe. And um, I guess all the gen, I just showed Kim my foot. Um, I guess all the, the Gen Zers are wearing these, like this one specific kind of Reebok. They're kind of like a Seinfeld white shoe. I think they've been back in style for like three years, but I just got there. Because I was walking around in vans and I was like, this is not enough support for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I need a I need a constant sneaker. I need an always on like sneaker. Wow. So I've been wearing white sneakers, black jeans, and array of shirts. I can't wear white sneakers. It makes me feel clowny. That's just me. Have you tried recently? Have you tried? Well, not recently. And not recently probably means the last like five years. I'm telling you, you might have. I never considered this as a possibility. I will say, I mean, I'm very interested because all I want to wear anymore are sneakers. That's the thing. It's all I want to wear anymore. And then I just started looking at these youngs everywhere. And I was like, they're always wearing fucking sneakers. Why can't I wear sneakers? Of course. And then I like, I went to, I went to the cut and I was like, sneakers for youngs, basically. I found the brand. They're like, Gen Zers love these. And I was like, and me. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. How about you? How's your week? Oh, my week is fine. You know, we're having (laughs) in the weather report. It's been very mild this week, which has been very pleasant. Like I walked the dog this morning and I didn't even need to wear a hat and wasn't a pretty day, but I was so happy just to be able to, I'm really kind of hoping, even though I know that the implications for our larger world are dire, I am hoping that we continue to have a very mild winter because it really improves my mood. I mean, I'm one of those people who really should get one of those light boxes yeah 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 they had them in in Iceland everybody had one like when I would walk past people's houses you would just see light box light box light box like it's you know I think it's 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 a real means of survival uh, surviving the you know your mental health survival uh of the winter that that was a very strangely constructed (laughs) it was it would be hard to um chart that (laughs) sentence I don't even know how it happened um yeah. Also, when you're trapped inside, when the weather is so extreme that you can't get outside, whether it's that hot or that cold, that you just really cannot be outside, that there's something, there's a real mind fuck in that, I feel like. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure there is, you know, and just like having to put, like when I walk the dog in the morning in the summer, I just throw something on and put on my flip-flops. And this time of year, it's like a whole fucking thing. Right. It's a whole production. It's a whole to do. It's a whole fucking thing. So I'm fine. I watched, um, speaking of shoes, I, for some reason the other night I was like, I'll watch the first few episodes of Girls again. Oh, interesting. And like one of Jessa in one scene is going to her nanny job and she's wearing like three inch or four inch, like stacked heel clogs or something. Wow. I was just like, wow. Yeah. That's, that's a thing of the past. I I remember walking, I remember walking around in heels. Like it was no big deal. Oh, especially a stacked heel. Yeah. I mean, a a platform. I had like five inch platforms. I remember I had five inch gold platform shoes that I wore all over the city. Just like, like it was nothing. Yep. Clomping around. I've been watching 
which I somehow missed for all the time it's been out. Reservation Dogs. I haven't watched it. I know people love it. I I don't know why I didn't watch it. It's so, so beautiful. Really? There was an episode in the second season and I was just sobbing. It's so good. It's so sweet. It's about these four Native American kids and um, they're kind of like a gang of they're kind of a gang together and they go through all kinds of adventures together and they're all so sweet. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so, it's about their families and about their, it's, it's, it's so good. Anyway, I, I love it. I really, really love it. So I recommend it. Awesome. We have kind of a great episode today. We do. I wanted to do, we wanted to do an episode on sex and, and I think we're probably going to do several episodes on sex, but Cindy Gallup is such a force of nature. Like we just got out of the interview and we're like, oh my God, she's so amazing. She's so inspiring. It's just, and just being that kind of liberated with your body. And anyway, I think it's good for us to all hear. I know that I kind of still am struggling with, you know, my body getting older and it's just, it's really just amazing to have someone say that's bullshit. Get over it. Just, just, you know, get out there. Love your body. It's still working. Keep fucking. Yeah. Above all else. Anyway, it's a very, it's a very pro, um, pro sex and, uh, pro certain kinds of porn. So if that just warning, if anyone's not into porn talk, um, we talk about porn. Yeah, probably not your episode, but I was super inspired about it and, um, happy Valentine's day. This is Valentine's day week. And I thought that'll be fun for Valentine's day. (laughs) (laughs) That was good thinking. Let's talk about about fucking as older people. (laughs) Should we get into it? Let's get into it. Our guest today is Cindy Gallup. Cindy is a founder and entrepreneur who, before building her own businesses, spent decades in the corporate advertising world, responsible for major accounts like Coca-Cola, and was even an advertising woman of the year. Cindy is known for being innovative, outspoken, and progressive. Her personal website tagline is, I like to blow shit up. I am the Michael Bay of business. She now helms several of her own businesses, including the social sex platform, Make Love Not Porn, the mission of which is socializing and normalizing sex, which we're going to talk about a lot today. Cindy launched makelove.porn with a TED Talk in 2009. That talk, which you all really need to watch, has been viewed more than two and a half million times. Cindy also just launched a newsletter called Dear Cindy on Substack, where readers can ask her anything. Welcome, Cindy. Hi. Thank you. Thrilled to be here. There's so much we could talk about, and I kind of don't even know where to begin, but I want to start with your famous TED Talk. You got up on stage, you were in your 50s, I think, and you talked about your experience having sex with younger men as the impetus for starting Make Love Not Porn. Can you tell listeners who might not know that story, that that story, what happened, why, all of it? Sure. So, you know, um, my startup, Make Love Not Porn, is a complete and total accident because I never consciously intentionally set out to do anything that I very bizarrely find myself doing now. So it all came about when 15 years ago, I was dating younger men. And by the way, I will just explain for our listeners that I am somebody who has never, ever wanted to be married. I've never wanted children. Very glad I always knew that as opposed to finding out the hard way by having them. I am not a relationship person. I adore being single. 
I cannot wait to die alone, and I date younger men casually and recreationally for sex. And I am deliberately very public about all of that because we don't have enough role models in our society for women and for men that demonstrate you can live your life very differently to the way that you're expected to and still be amazingly happy. And I'm one of the happiest people I know. So there I was 15 years ago dating younger men. Um, when I began realizing through my own direct personal experience that when we don't talk openly and honestly about sex in the real world, porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. And so I found myself encountering a number of sexual behavioral memes in bed. I went, whoa, I know where that behavior is coming from. I thought, gosh, if I'm experiencing this, other people must be as well. I didn't know that because 15 years ago, nobody was talking about this. Nobody was writing about it. This was me in isolation as a naturally action-oriented person going, I'm going to do something about this. So 14 years ago now, I put up on No Money a tiny clunky website at makelovenotporn.com, purely as a side venture, that in its original iteration um, was... The construct was porn world versus real world. Here's what happens in the porn world. Here's what really happens in the real world. As you said, Jen, I had the opportunity to launch Make Love Not Porn at TED in 2009. I became the only TED speaker to say the words, come on my face on the TED stage. <laughs> the talk went viral as a result. And it drove this extraordinary global response to my tiny website that I had never anticipated. Thousands of people wrote to me from every single country in the world, young and old, men and female, straight and gay, pouring their hearts out, telling me things about their sex lives and their porn watching habits they'd never told anyone before. And I realized I'd uncovered a huge global social issue. And so that's what led me to turn Make Love Not Porn into a business designed to do good and make money simultaneously. And so today we are the world's first and only user-generated, 100% human-curated social sex video sharing platform. So we're kind of what Facebook would be if it allowed you to socially, sexually self-express, which it doesn't. The way to think about us is if porn is the Hollywood blockbuster movie, Make Love Not Porn is the badly needed documentary. Right. We are a unique window onto the funny, messy, loving, wonderful, comical, awkward ways we all have sex in the real world. That's why our tagline is we are pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. And so we are literally sex education through real world demonstration. And it's, it's so funny because, um, one of the things you've said is that, that, that knowing the difference between porn and sex and, and that young people are growing up with very little idea of what real world healthy sex is. But I think this is equally true for women of our generation who didn't have a lot of exposure to Ooh. what healthy sex would look like for us. And I, I mean, it's all of us, right? I mean, th I'm assuming you're a lot of your, the people on your site are women our age. And can we talk about why we need this kind of education in midlife? Absolutely, Jen. So, so first of all, honestly, you know, I find the older I get, the hornier I get. Okay. <laughs> Sex is a glorious pleasure at every age. And as you, as you quite rightly um, said, at Make Love Not Porn, we have many older members and we have many older Make Love Not Porn stars, which is what we call our contributors. And, you know, our members regularly write to us to say that they so appreciate 
that you know we celebrate make older love not porn um and and in fact there was an absolutely wonderful um emails that i received literally just um, just a few days ago that i want to find and read to you because it 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 really demonstrates what you know we especially celebrate versus society which somehow bizarrely believes that when people are past a certain age, you know, sex should not be involved in any way whatsoever, which is utterly, utterly ridiculous. There was something you said that I've, and, and, and I think it was in the Style Like You interview, which people should also watch because you slowly disrobe, which is really amazing and radical to watch. But you also said something like, and I'm going to get it wrong, but if I seem like the type of person who wants people to look at me, I am. That felt radical to me to hear a woman over 50 say that because I feel like, you know, a friend and I joke that these heavy glasses we wear are like the nothing to see here glasses. (laughs) Keep walking. (laughs) Yep. No, no, you're absolutely right, Kim. You know, I, I describe myself as a proudly visible member of the most invisible segment of our population, which is older women. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to help redefine by the way I live my life what society thinks an older woman should look like, be like, dress like, talk like, and fuck like. And um, and, and just on that email I want to read to you, basically, uh, we, we got this wonderful, it was my birthday last week, we, tell, we share that with our members, and we got this email saying, happy birthday and thank you for all you have done for the sexual revolution. As a 73-year-old married couple, married for 53 years, we wish we would have had the sexual information earlier in our life. Again, thank you for taking the shame out of sex. Amazing. And so, yup, yup, our members range in age from 18 to 80, literally. Now, I was just going to ask, because you've also had a lot to say about the patriarchy and how the patriarchy polices how some how women should dress and look. And I was interested to hear you talk about that. Well, you know, what's um, what's interesting, too, is that, you know, my background is 38 years working in advertising. And I have for decades been trying to get my industry to completely rethink the way it operates in order to completely rethink the kind of advertising it produces. And I say that because advertising is an enormously powerful force in popular culture, as much as any other area of popular culture. We have the power with what we do to to shape and reshape social attitudes and behavior. And so um, for years, I've been exhorting my industry to rethink the way it depicts aging, and especially the way it depicts aging as it pertains to women. And incidentally, you know, depressingly, my industry, like every other, is male-dominated. Enormously ironic, because we as women are the primary targets of all advertising. Yeah. Because we are the primary purchasers of everything and the primary influencers of purchase. And yet we are sold to ourselves all the time through the male lens. And so that is why we have these completely ludicrous depictions of what is deemed to be um, attractive that have been processed entirely through, through the male lens. And so I, I've been exhorting my industry for years to reinvent aspirational culture around all sorts of things, but to reinvent aspirational culture around aging. Mm-hmm. Because the fact of the matter is that contrary to way the advertising industry and every other area of popular culture thinks, older people do not aspire to be young. Actually, the opposite is true. Young people aspire to be us because it is enormously aspirational to be us because at this age, we don't give a shit. 
<laughs> no, we couldn't care less what anybody thinks. You know, we have the confidence that comes with age that means that we have our own sense of personal style, our own sense of home decor. We we have the opportunity to to travel, to experience new things because we are not so, you know, bound in to a particular career path, life path, you know, etc. And, you know, what is really interesting, Kim, about um, that style like you interview of mine that you referenced is that a bunch of clips in that interview went viral on TikTok. Gen Z loves me. <laughs> and, and what is very moving is, so in the comments on TikTok and also in, you know, the, the tons of comments on that interview on YouTube and on Instagram, the huge amount of especially young women who, who say things like, I've been looking for an older female role model like this all my life. You know, there was one especially moving comment on, on one, one of the videos on Instagram where, where a woman said, imagine if we had grown up seeing and hearing women live and talk this way. Imagine how very different our lives will be now. Right. And so, you know, I encourage the ad industry, the fashion industry, you know, the movie industry, the TV industry to completely rethink aging, to reinvent aspirational culture around it, understand that there is nothing more powerful than aspirational older role models, because we're all headed there one day. And women like us demonstrate you can have enormous fun and achieve extraordinary things at that age. And when you when you tap that aspiration, boy, oh boy, do you unlock the dollars. I mean, stop, stop targeting right. Gen Z and millennials who have no money. Okay. You know, absolutely target older <laughs> audiences who do because because that's where the money is. But that's what's so fr it's so frustrating. I was going to ask you just how optimistic are you that this can happen? Because I feel like despite the fact that we're often the earners, that we're definitely the household spenders there. I mean, with women over 40, over 50, there's they don't see themselves. I, I find another thing is that the advertising agency seems to be very literal about aging. You know, so you're either 35 or you're 75, and there's very little in between. So, um, so something I, I call out every time I see an example of this is, you know, do not go, as Vogue readily does, it's the age issue. You know, do not go, we're all about celebrating age diversity and then cast May Musk. Yes. So, um, so I've, I've said this on social media repeatedly. May Musk is wonderful, but the rest of us do not look like May Musk. Okay, <laughs> do not only cast the tall, skinny, conventionally attractive older woman and go, oh, yeah, we've covered age. And, you know, I, I am constantly trying to handhold in every industry to get them to understand the enormous money-losing mistake they're making. So so I did, an, I did an interview during the pandemic with Imran Ahmed of The Business of Fashion, about you know four four things I wanted the fashion industry to do to, to reinvent its future and make a lot more money. And one of them was absolutely, you know, rethink your attitude towards age because you're ageist as hell. You know, reinvent aspirational culture around aging because when you do, you unlock, you know, markets and potential that you have no idea of. So, so for example, the fashion industry is extremely focused on Asia, you know, massively focused on the Chinese market, you know, other, other markets where obviously, I mean, um, right now we're looking at a very different economic picture, but historically, emerging markets, um, the economy has been, you know, accelerating, and there's a ton of money going into luxury goods and fashion. I'm half Chinese. I grew up in Asia. 
And I am therefore extraordinarily familiar with the fundamental ageism of Asian culture um, as it is directed at women. Because ironically, Asian culture more broadly respects older people. You know, but with women, you know, if you are not married by a certain age, you are, you know, the Japanese term is, you know, you are a Christmas cake. You know, you are you are done with because you're you're no longer topical and relevant. And and so I said in this interview with Imran, you know, oh my God, when the fashion industry reinvents aspirational culture around aging, casts older models, designs for older women, and puts that out there in a way that reshapes societal attitudes. Every woman in every country in Asia will thank you for not for not having to deal with that societal battle every day the moment you pass the age of twenty five. Right, right, right. But I mean, it's it's still not happening for some reason. I mean, it's I mean, well, it's it's not happening because of men. It's not happening because of the patriarchy, correct? Well, it's not happening because absolutely um, the patriarchy. But you know, um, the really important thing is not to expect it to happen. And what I mean by that is I get um, the same question recurring in the many interviews I've done about Make Love Not Porn over the years. At some point, the journalist goes, so, Cindy, when do you think all of this will change? When do you think we'll all be less repressed about sex? And my response is, you've asked that question the wrong way because you asked that question in the passive tense. All of this changes when you and I and everyone else make it change, and I don't wait for things to change, I make them change. And so it's every one of us making this change that makes it change. And so what I love seeing at the moment is many, many older women starting businesses designed to absolutely draw attention to the fact that we are the biggest and the best market that you could possibly have. I'm a huge believer in communication through demonstration. Don't say it, be it, and do it. And all of the barriers to celebrating and casting and marketing to and designing for and selling to older women fall when we prove that with older women, you can make an absolute God, I'm fucking shit ton of money. And there is a huge amount of money to be made out of taking women seriously. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. Yet I look at all of these menopause beauty uh, um, companies that have launched recently and, and one of them that's already shuttered. And I wonder like when, 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 I mean, I'm asking the same question that you just said. I mean, I'm thrilled to see all of these menopause startups. And what I would say is we cannot have too many of us coming at this issue in every possible way. Right. Uh, and by the way, I, I'm enormously fortunate. Uh, my parents stopped at the age of 50. That was it. I had, I had no other menopause symptoms whatsoever. So I know how, how lucky I am. But anything that helps anybody in any way, um, I'm good with. Um, I'll tell you what, what changes things is exactly what I just talked about, which is money. And that is the fundamental problem. Because last year, only 1.9% of all venture capital funding went to female founders. Amazing. All of that, the vast majority of venture capital funding went to predominantly white male founders. Okay. Um, we can't make shit happen without capital. Okay. I mean, this is absolutely my issue. You know, I fought a battle every single day for the past 14 years to build Make Love Not Porn and then to keep it alive. You know, it's a goddamn miracle, given what I contend with on a daily basis, that we're still here. And I'm now setting out to raise a round of serious funding. And for the first time in 14 years, investors are finally getting it. But, 
you know, we don't get the capital that white men do to make their businesses happen. And so we have a massive male, white male lens dominated scenario in every industry. And the women with the ability to counterpoint that, to take every industry in a completely different direction, do not get the money to scale their brilliant ideas. That's the problem. And that applies just as much to popular culture. You know, female directors are not being greenlit. You know, female scriptwriters are not being backed by the studios. You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let's take a quick break from some ads. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin, and I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry-leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry-leading sustainability standards. You know I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump, and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long, and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess, is the best way to do it. Say it. Do it. Uh, okay. So you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. And we're back. Let's sort of steer back into sex. This is going to come out the week of Valentine's Day. And I've heard you say something really interesting, which is that sex doesn't necessarily sell, but love does. And I I want to talk about that a little bit because I think that our idea about self-sacrifice in love 
fucks us up in sex as well, or fucks women up with sex as well. And I, I know that you have thought about this a lot. Um, so, so, so let me just, um, uh, for accuracy, correct um, your reflection of what I said, Jen. Because, yes. Because what, I, yes. Uh, what I've said frequently is that I get really fed up with that hoary old phrase, sex cells. Because whenever anybody uses that phrase, they are only ever talking about sex through the male lens. Mm-hmm. We have not even begun to see how effectively sex sells through the female lens. And the exercise I give people to understand what I mean by that is, so I'll say to our listeners, if you have never done this, at home tonight or whenever, watch on streaming the sequel to the original Magic Mike movie, Magic Mike XXL. Because Magic Mike XXL is a brilliant demonstration of sex through the female lens. By the way, it is even though um, it's helmed by, by a male director. Because it's it's a film about male strippers, it's enormously enjoyable, but but it is absolutely you know in Magic My XXL, sex through the female lens is joyous, happy, celebratory, life affirming, moving, profound, sensitive, intimate. Because it's absolutely a movie for women, and it really um, demonstrates better than anything else I can think of how very differently life would be if we were using sex with the female lens to sell. Now, on the topic of love, you know, I am that very rare person who has absolutely no desire to be in love whatsoever. And this is enormously liberating. When you, when you decide you don't want to be in love, it strips a whole layer of bullshit out of your life. And it is also a fantastic time saver. So when I'm reading women's magazine and I come to the article about relations and go, oh, don't want to, blah, 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 and just carry on. Mm-hmm. You know, I have zero interest in anything that advises you how to meet the one, how to, you know, blah, 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 blah. But can I, can I ask a question real quick? I'm sorry to interrupt. I just have to know, Cindy, what made you this way? You're so confident. You, 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 have, you, you have confidence not just sexually, but also just about who you are in general. What were you always this way? Um, honestly, Kim, what's made me this way is 63 years of life. Yeah. You know, um, which is why I would like to shortcut that process for other women, you know, because I absolutely was born into the social condition we're all born into, you know, where everything around us conspires to make us feel insecure about absolutely everything to do with ourselves. You know, nice girls don't do this. Nice girls don't do that. We spend the rest of our lives coming back from that. And and a lot of us never do, sadly. And so it, it is literally as you get older, you realize what bullshit you were putting up with when you were younger. And the more of us who are out there loud and proud saying this now, the more we help younger women think differently about all that crap. Right. Can we talk a little bit about feeling confident in an older body? Because I've heard you say that women's bodies improve as we get older, but this is not the experience of, of, of me and my immediate cohort. So, you know, w- what I mean by that is, you know, I just feel an enormous level of comfort and appreciation with my body as I get older, not least because my 63-year-old body is still doing its best to keep me going on a day-to-day basis. And I'm very appreciative of that. But, you know, what I want older women to know is, so, you know, I've been dating younger men now for, gosh, you know, 20-odd years. And, and, and by the way, in the same way that Make Love Not Porn was an accident, dating younger men was an accident. And what I mean by that is, back in the day, I used to run an advertising agency here in New York. And, you know, 20 odd years ago, we were asked to pitch for an online dating brand that had come out of the UK, wanted to launch in the US, take on Match. And 
in the advertising industry, when you pitch for a client's business, you have to experience the client's product and the entire competitive landscape. So we all had to online date. And this was 20 odd years ago, and none of us at the agency ever had, because it wasn't a thing back then. So the rest of my pitch team at the agency were all living with, married to, dating somebody. So they went online as fake personas. You know, they created identities on, and, and profiles on these sites. I thought, I'm single. You know, I have these business reasons. Why not do it for real? Let's find out what this whole online dating thing is all about. So I posted my profile on a bunch of sites. I was completely honest about everything, including my age. I got an avalanche of responses, very good for the ego. Um, but much to my amazement, because I had not contemplated this as a dating strategy, the vast majority of those responses were from younger men. And in fact, in most cases, much younger men. And I suddenly realized I was every young guy's fantasy. Attractive older woman, high-flying career, didn't want to settle down, you know, was not looking for, you know, a relationship or anything. Instead, I just wanted to have some fun. You know, I just start up an ad agency in New York, the world's toughest advertising marketplace, working 24-7, fun, severely missing from life. So, you know, there was a bunch of young guys out there going, whoopee. So I thought, hadn't thought about doing this, but hey, works for me. And so I've been very happily dating younger men ever since. <laughs> and I have never been told I'm beautiful and my body is beautiful as much as since I began dating younger men. Okay, younger men think we are bloody fantastic. And, you know, this is the important thing. Um, and this also is what Make Love Not Porn is all about, because, you know, we celebrate real world bodies at Make Love Not Porn. And, you know, we constantly hear from our members how we make them feel better about their own bodies, because, you know, you can talk body positivity all you like. You can preach self-love till you're blue in the face. But at the end of the day, nothing makes us feel great about our own bodies like seeing people who have no one's idea of aspirational body types getting turned on by each other, desiring each other, having an amazing time in bed. And so, you know, what I really encourage people to understand, especially older women, is your body is gorgeous because it's yours. What makes you hot and desirable is you. You know, I mean, that is always what people are attracted to. And then, you know, they think your body's hot as hell because it belongs to you. Um, you know, a few years ago, the UK announced the new season cast lineup for the, for the incredibly popular show Love Island, which began in the UK and has now been syndicated everywhere. And they were instantly critiqued for the lack of diversity in the cast, both ethnic diversity and body diversity. And the producer of Love Island was interviewed about this and made the enormous mistake of saying, well, well, we have to cast what people find attractive. And the entire internet came down his head, including me. And the Daily Mail published my tweet in a piece they wrote about all this because, and, and, and this is a really important fact that I really want people to understand. I said, walk through any park in any big city in the world in the summertime and look at the couples sitting on the grass, holding hands, kissing, and you will see what people really find attractive, hot and sexually desirable in the real world. All around us, on the street every single day, we see couples that demonstrate that what is attractive is you and your partner bloody loves your body because it's yours. Ignore what the patriarchal white male lens of popular culture tells you because it's bullshit. Right. In terms of like, because there are so many changes that happen in, in menopause in this time, right? Physical changes, you know, even just very, just very specific to sexuality. You know, your vagina might change. 
what do you say to women who want to have better sex and are just feeling like timid or feeling like all hope is lost? You know, that moment where you're just like, I, I don't know, I, is, it, is it over for me? You know, not that I have that, but I know that people do. <laughs> you know, so first of all, obviously I'm biased, but seriously, you know, sign up at makelovenotporn.tv and watch our videos. And I say that because we have a number of menopausal Make Love Not Porn stars who talk very frankly in the intros of their videos about the changes they're going through, what they're feeling, some of them are partnered, some aren't, you know, with their partners, the way they've modified their sex lives accordingly. Because, you know, we exist to celebrate the full glorious spectrum of human sexuality and everything pertaining to it. You know, we, we have Make Love Not Porn stars with um, chronic pain syndromes who talk about how masturbating helps who. And so, you know, we reflect, you know, the full spectrum of everything you can do in a sexual context that may well be accommodating, you know, managing, um, dealing with every possible thing that happened to you at every stage of your life. And, and the really important thing is to understand that that is absolutely something that a ton of people are experiencing and have found really great ways to deal with. Uh, and, you know, just at a very basic level also, I can tell you that, um, you know, our members tell us that watching our videos inspires them to try new things. You know, again, especially if you're older, you're in a rut. I mean, honestly, we get so many emails saying, oh my God, you saved our marriage. You know, we hadn't had sex in years. We watched your videos together, kaboom. You know, I mean, we, we just have, have a whole ton of communi communication about that. And so, yeah, I mean, and, and I may be biased, but this is exactly why I created Make Love Not Porn, because we need to socialize and normalize sex in the real world, bring it out to the sunlight, celebrate how wonderful it is, and also about the many different forms it takes. You know, for example, um, and, and this again is, you know, particularly good for older straight women to watch with their male partners. You know, we celebrate all the wonderful ways you can have fun without penetrative sex. And, and we find that, you know, we hear that that's been a revelation for yeah, people's sex yeah. lives as well, as you can imagine. You know, and, and so there are many, many different ways of, you know, as you get older, as you deal with the impact of menopause, as you deal also with things like sex life in a rut or what, you know, we can absolutely help with all of that. I mean, I have to say, I was sort of debating whether I would say this, but I would say that in middle age, you know, I'm 58. And sites like Make Love Not Porn and regular straightforward porn have really helped me, have really Ooh. helped my sex Ooh. drive. Ooh. It's like it's like a really good shortcut to getting horny. Yeah. No, and, and, because, and, and with Make Love Not Porn, you get horny in a different way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a whole different vibe. And in fact, um, you know, a girlfriend told me a little while back, um, she said, um, you know, that she was having sex with her husband and he was going, but you were so wet the other week. And, and she was thinking, yeah, that's because I was watching Make Love Not Porn. <laughs> it really does arouse in, in, a, in, a different, in a different kind of way. So yeah, absolutely. But you know, there's a lot of hangups about porn. It's not something we talk about with our friends. It seems to still be a taboo, even though we're grown ass women who, do you know what I mean? Like there still seems to be a thing that like, we're not even Kim, you were hesitant to talk about porn. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because, and I think also because, because I went to Oberlin. Why? And because like, if you, you know, the, the, the women are being oppressed. Women are women who come to LA to become actresses, get into that business. They're exploited. You know, it's so that part of it, you know, being turned on by something that I know ultimately isn't good for women and the women who are in it, 
Yes and no, but yeah. yeah, but yeah, yeah. Here's my perspective on that. First of all, you know, I get very frustrated when people use the word porn like it's all one big homogenous mass. Mm-hmm. Like the that's media. like using the word literature yeah. to say it's all the same thing. Right. No, no I mean right. people. People generally, you know, people say porn like it's all the same thing. It's not. The landscape of porn is as rich and infinitely varied as the landscape of literature. There are as many genres, subgenres, you know, authors, creators. Um, what a lot of people don't know is that. Currently, the porn industry is dominated by one massive monopoly, which would have never been allowed to exist in any other industry, but nobody wants to bring antitrust legislation to porn. So um, the industry is dominated by a company called MindGeek that owns everything. They own Pornhub, YouPorn, RedTube, Sex.com, Brazzers, etc., etc. And I say that because they have the industry in a stranglehold that, like any monopoly, um, has is basically suffocating what is the future of any industry, which is individual creative vision. I have a ton of friends who are female queer pornographers making brilliant, innovative, creative, very, very different porn who do not get the traffic numbers and revenue they deserve because MindGeek has dominated and and made it impossible for individuals to break through. Um, So what's also interesting, by the way, is... You know, the the way the media talks about porn, because, you know, obviously, you know, they love squawking and shouting and screaming, oh, my God, porn. Whenever the media does that, they are only ever doing it about one genre of porn, which is the type you'll find, you know, most immediately on, on the tube sites, which is porn where, you know, men dominate women and women are submitting. Funny enough, you never see the media shrieking and squawking about the vast genre of porn that is for men who adore being dominated by and submitting to women. And the reason we never see that is because it does not accord with our societal construct of masculinity. And by the way, that's a huge shame because out there in the world are millions of men who would adore to be dominated in bed, millions of women who would adore to do the dominating, who will never ever do that because it doesn't fit with the gendered roles that we've been told we have to operate in. Yeah, I mean, but also there's a lot to do with algorithms and what gets surfaced, right? I mean, you go to the homepage of something like Pornhub and it's, it's misogynistic, it's strangling, it's, you know, and, and that has to do with what you were talking about, about the, the male lens of all of this. Yeah. Well, well, it also goes back to um, money. And what I mean by that is it's exactly the problem that I said earlier exists when the male lens gets funded and the female lens doesn't. Because I have to tell you that make love not porn is what the world is searching for. And I mean that quite literally. We are banned from advertising anywhere. I cannot advertise make love not porn across Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, Google, YouTube, anywhere. Okay, That's a huge, huge business growth inhibitor. And I'm especially furious about the fact that Google won't let us do paid search ads because every day all around the world, People search for Make Love Not Porn without knowing that we exist. And what I mean by that is the top organic search terms that drive traffic to Make Love Not Porn are make love, not porn, real sex, not porn, video sexo na porno, (laughs) make love, not porn, where they don't know there's a company actually called that. One young man told me that he found us when he Googled porn that is not porn. He was so fed up with everything out there, wanted something different, didn't know what to search for. When you search porn that is not porn, you find Make Love Not Porn. That is how much people want what we are 
which is the documentary to Porn's Hollywood movie. Pornhub, which is obviously the, the giant in, in, in the industry. And by the way, mm. when you operate at the scale that MindGeek does, you'd be amazed who is willing to work with you financially while not letting the world know that they are. So you know, they have no problem with the, the funding and the banking and everything that I and everyone else struggle with. But um, the, um, Pornhub, at the end of every year, publishes a year in review, which is a breakout of their own statistics and data. And at the end of 2022, they released this study identifying that the number one trend on Pornhub is what they call reality. People are searching for real. And I shared that on social and I said, all those people are searching for make love, not porn, but they don't know it yet. That's my opportunity, but nobody will fund me. Nobody will champion me. Nobody will enable me to have the same scale and reach that Pornhub and all the other mind sites do. And, and, and that is what is skewing the world in a way that is not good for the future of humanity. It just seems so short-sighted because we all know that porn gets to any any kind of technology before everyone else does. Well, well, well the way I put it, and obviously what I'm doing is not porn, what I'm doing is social sex. But, um, but, but the way I put it is Make Love Not Porn is any investor's holy grail because we are how you monetize sex safely. And... You know, that is the single biggest market in the world. And um, somebody said to me, Cindy, the only market bigger than yours is water. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and by the way, I, I will just share w- w- with our listeners what, what I mean by that, because I think it's also important to know how very uniquely we operate at Make Love Not Porn, because this is how different our world would be if the female lens on the Internet was funded to the same level that the male lens is. The white male founders young white male founders of the giant tech platforms that dominate our lives today, they are not the primary targets online or offline of harassment, abuse, racism, sexual assault, violence, rape, revenge, porn. Therefore, they do not proactively, they did not proactively design for the prevention of any of those things on their platforms. And we see the results around us every single day. Those of us who are most at risk every single day, women, black people, people of color, LGBTQ, the disabled, we design safe spaces and safe experiences. I and my tiny team spent literally years concepting and designing Make Love Not Porn before we ever built it, because we knew to invite people to do something they've never done before, socially share their real world sex, we had to think through every possible ramification of that to create a completely safe and trustworthy space. I designed Make Love Not Porn through the female lens to be the safest place on the internet because I designed it around what everybody else should have, nobody else did, human curation. There is no self-publishing of anything on Make Love Not Porn. Our curators watch every frame of every video submitted from beginning to end before we approve or reject and we publish it. No one else does that. It's not just videos. We review every post on every member profile you know, photos, text, illustration, before we approve or reject, we publish it. No one else does that. We review every single comment on every single video before we approve or reject and publish it. No one else does that. We can vouch for every single piece of content on our platform in a way that nobody else can. And that is why we are the safest place on the internet. And we take that human curation to lengths beyond what anybody else has ever dreamed of. So, it is not possible to complete our submissions process and make love not porn unless your video is fully consensual, legal, everyone's over 18. We require full identifying details, 
two forms of government-issued ID for every participant, including if you've chosen to have somebody behind the camera. Wow. Even, even if we never see who they are, we have to know exactly who they are, two forms of visual ID. You can't even finish submitting, let alone ever have published anything not consensual. Wow. But then when our curators watch those videos, all we're watching for is that they're real and consensual. But our curators are trained to watch them, you know, with the lens of, as I watch this video, do I feel the cameras in a place where everyone knows it's there? You know, we say to our curators, if you have a bad feeling about a video, even if past all the, all the submission tests, a bad feeling is good enough to say we're not going to publish that. And then, you know, um, we build a personal relationship with every single yeah. one of our contributors. We know exactly who they are. Uh, we have a wonderful relationship with every one of them. And with video comments, you know, we take curation there to lengths no one else does. When we onboard our Make Love Not Porn stars, we ask them, you know, is there language you don't want to see in your comments? Um, because our members are nothing but respectful and enthusiastic, but they may use language that people don't. And no matter how ridiculous the response, um, that's what we observe. So one Make Love Not Porn star said, I don't want to see any comments about my feet. <laughs> your feet look perfectly normal, but sure. We will make sure you've never seen any comments about your feet. You know, or, you know, we have trans and non-binary make love not porn stars who may present as a different gender. We have pronouns on profiles, but it can be very triggering to be misgendered. Right. And so we will not publish comments that do that. Yeah. Nobody goes one-tenth of the way that we do through the female ends of make love not porn to build the safest place on the internet. No, so this is, listen, this is how we're going to save our sex lives is going over to Make Love Not Porn. This is why I wanted to have you on because I think this is a big, big deal for people. Before we go, Cindy, I want to hear about this new newsletter. Oh, yes. Right. So so in the 14 years of Make Love Not Porn, you know, ton of appreciative emails, but in amongst them inevitably have been many, many emails asking for sex advice. Because again, people have nowhere to turn in their daily lives all too often. And, you know, with those emails, no matter how stressed I've been about, you know, my start or whatever, I've always responded, you know, because I cannot not reply to an email like the one I got from a teenage boy years ago who said, you know, I'm having sex with my girlfriend. Please tell me how to make love, not porn. I want to know how. And I know my parents sure as hell won't tell me. And so I wrote back at length, you know, and he replied going, my girlfriend said, where did you learn that? <laughs> um, so, um, and, and at the same time, you know, people ask me all sorts of questions on social media, you know, whether it's where did you get that outfit or how do you make a perfect martini or whatever. So um, so I have started a Substack where you can literally ask me anything, you know, sex advice, anything you're curious about. Um, it's called Dear Cindy. Um, it's free to subscribe, but we also have paid subscriptions. And obviously, because all of this goes to support Make Love Not Porn, I would love anybody listening to sign up to Dear Cindy on Substack and take out a paid subscription. And so once a week, I will answer a question from the mailbag and the mailbag's coming in and there's some great questions. Um, and just give my own personal lens on, you know, whatever it is that, that the person wants to ask advice about. Amazing. I think it's so fun because I think that, I think you're so inspiring, Cindy. I think yeah, that's just really the thing. Inspiring. You're just super inspiring. Like really, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find you? I want them to find you everywhere. Absolutely. So obviously on makelovenotporn.tv, but also um, on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Cindy Gallup. It's at makelovenotporn. I'm on Facebook. Um, Make Love Not Porn is on Facebook. And you can also find me and follow me on LinkedIn. And my personal website is cindygallop.com. Thanks, Cindy. Thank you so much, Cindy. It's been a pleasure. 
Thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We are your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. If you like the show, please rate and review it on all the platforms. Right now on our Apple Podcast page, you can see three, like you can see three reviews. You have to click through to see more. Yes. You can see three. Two of those reviews are one-star reviews. They really and are. I really, and I really <laughs> want to push those off of the homepage. They're really, they're really, one of them is about how I, how I'm inarticulate and I, I say the F word too much. And then another one is very complicated, which is a whole saga. But um, yes, I would like to push them as well. Okay. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. That's all right. I, I'll, I'm going to get back in the flow. Okay. Here we go. If you want to support the production of the show, please join our Patreon at patreon.com backslash everything is fine. We do live event there sometimes. We blog there sometimes, but mostly it's just to help us keep the show's lights on. If you want to follow us on social media, we're on Instagram at EAF Podcast. We have a robust and private Facebook group. We're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. If you want to follow Kim, you can follow her at girlsofacertainage.com. If you want to follow me, I'm on tinyletter.com backslash Jennifer Romolini. The show is mixed and edited by the great Natalie Rivera. Thank you, Natalie. And we'll be back next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 